Well, I hope you're all ready for Christmas. Uh, my wife and I, we have uh, little kids. One of mine was up here just a second ago. And you know, the thing is, if you spend time with, uh, with little kids, you can't help but notice that they perceive time a lot differently than we do who are adults. You know, like for me, it's hard for me to believe that it's already Christmas again. I feel like this past year has just flown by. Like, like you ever see one of those 80s movies where they have that calendar, you know, where you pull off the day every time and they show the, the passing of time with like, you know, just days like flying off the calendar. That's kind of how I feel, right? Like, uh, like I blinked sometime in August and now it's Christmas. My kids, on the other hand, feel just the opposite, right? They feel like the sun just stands still in the sky, right? And the clock just doesn't move and time drags on and it has been like torture for them waiting for Christmas to finally come. My daughter the other day, she's almost four, she was standing in front of the Christmas tree looking at the presents and, uh, and she started crying. And I said, what's going on? She said, I think Christmas is never going to come. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's not easy to wait. And uh, maybe there are some of you who feel that way too. The title of our message today, or this evening, is Light in the Darkness, and our text comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 60. This was read a little bit earlier in the service, but I'll read it for you again. It's important. It says this, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. I don't know if you've ever thought it through or not, but you are hardwired for hope. I am too, all of us. We are hardwired for hope. Every decision that you make is fueled by, it is motivated by hope. If you think about it, all the happiest moments in your life are happy because they're filled with hope. And all of the saddest moments are sad because of hope that has been dashed. But you're always hoping. And here in Isaiah chapter 60, in the text that we read, we have a message of great hope. Here at the end of the book of Isaiah, just to give you a little context into which this verse comes, this message of light, this message of hope, it was spoken into a very dark and hopeless situation. The children of Israel at this point when this was written, they had been in captivity. They had been in captivity in Babylon. They had been defeated. They had been conquered. They had been carried off away from their homes against their will. And for decades, they had lived in captivity. They had lived under oppression. It was a very dark time in their history. It was a very dark time for the people who went through this individually. And when they were finally allowed to return home, the, these people returned and they found their city, Jerusalem, in shambles. Everything had been destroyed. The temple, the walls, everything. The infrastructure, it was just a wreck. It was a dark time. It was a hopeless time. It, in fact, it felt like everything that could possibly go wrong had, in fact, gone wrong. Talk about dashed hopes. I don't know about you. I don't know where you're at in your life as you come here this evening. Maybe this has been a good year for you. Maybe it's been a banner year. But maybe 
It's been a dark and difficult year. Maybe you can relate to the people of Israel at this point. It seems that everything that could have possibly gone wrong has gone wrong. You feel that life is shrouded in darkness. You maybe feel like there's a little rain cloud that just hangs above your head and follows you around wherever you go. But I want you to see the message of hope that God gives to the children of Israel here in this passage because it is the same message of hope that he gives to you who are here today. And it is this message of hope that is the very message of Christmas. Into the dark and momentary uh, situation that they were in, into the darkness of that situation, God gave them hope by giving them what? By giving them a vision of the future. That's what we have here in Isaiah chapter 60, a vision of a better day which is to come. God says to these people, he says, yes, today, tonight might be dark, but a better day is coming. I promise you a day in which everything will be different, when everything that is wrong will be made right, and a day in which you will be truly free, a day in which everything which your heart longs for, everything which you truly hope for will be fulfilled. And here's how. It says this at the end of chapter 59, which is really the setup for what we read in chapter 60. It says this, A Redeemer will come from Zion. To those in Jacob who turn from transgression, declares the Lord. A Redeemer will come from Zion to those who turn from transgression, declares the Lord. And there are three important aspects of this hope that God gives them here in Isaiah 60. And, and I'd like to go through those with you. Number one, first of all, the first aspect of this hope that God gives them, it is hope for all people. Hope for all people. Although this message was written to the Jewish people, specifically into their situation, the scope of the promise that's given here is for all people at all times. In verse 2, we read, darkness will cover the whole earth, a thick darkness, all the people. And we, we have experienced that all of us, we experience that very thing ourselves. No matter what your year was like in particular, the fact is you cannot help but acknowledge the fact that we do live in dark days. We see that in the state that we live in, around the people that we're around. In a, we live in a world where evil and suffering are present realities. And there's violence, there's hatred, we see it. We live in a world that as the scriptures say here, is shrouded in darkness. But the promise, this great promise of hope, is the promise that light will shine in the darkness and it will be light for the whole world. And that's the first aspect of this hope, that it is hope for the whole world. Light will come and overcome darkness. Light will bring life to the whole world. Secondly, this, the second aspect of this hope, it is hope which transcends this life. Now think about this. Why would it give these people hope to be promised that someday, in the future, things are going to be different than they are now. I mean, imagine if I told you, hey, I've got good news for you. Someday, everything's going to be different. Things are going to be right. And, and the things which you long for in your heart of hearts, they will be reality. And you say, wow, awesome. When will that be? And I say, not in your lifetime, right? Well, you'd say, well, thanks, but I guess that doesn't really help me. That doesn't, what, what good does that do for me? But the hope that God gives them here, that light is coming, light for the whole world, which will drive out the darkness, which will transform everything. This is a hope which transcends this life. 
It wasn't hope for just a comfortable life here and now, an easier circumstance here and now. Rather, this hope that he gave them was nothing less than the hope of eternal life. It was nothing less than the hope of eternal life. That's the other part of our reading from Isaiah 60. Verse 19, In that day the sun shall no more be your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give you light, but the Lord will be your everlasting light, and God will be your glory. Your sun shall no more go down, nor your moon withdraw itself, for the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your days of mourning shall be ended. So this hope that transcends life, it is the hope of eternal life. And the third aspect of this hope I'd like to show you is this. This hope is a person. This hope is a person. This hope has a name. The light which is to come to be hope for all the nations. It's not just some ethereal, uh, intangible wishfulness. Its hope is a person, a concrete person who has a name. He will be the redeemer and he will redeem those who turn from their transgressions. The promise of this person, this one who is going to come, it's not just found here in the Old Testament, right? The Old Testament being the part of the Bible which was written before Jesus was born. It's not just found here, but the Old Testament is actually littered. It is littered with promises about this person, this redeemer, this great one who will one day come and he will usher in a new day. The Jews called him the Messiah. When Greek became the dominant language in that part of the world, in Greek, they called him the Christ. Both of these words were used to speak of the same person, the one who would come, the promise, the hope for the nations. Now, I want you to turn with me to a different passage. If you have your Bible, if not, we'll have it up on the screen. It's in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. And I'll read from verse 25. Luke, chapter 2, verse 25. Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples to bring revelation, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and the rising of many. Now this man Simeon, there again, there's three things that I want to point out to him point out to you about him. Three things about Simeon that you need to see. Number one, Simeon held on to hope. Simeon held on to hope. Number two, Simeon held hope in his hands. And number three, Simeon died in hope. So first of all, Simeon was a man who held on to this hope that we have been talking about. It says here that Simeon was a man who waited for the consolation of Israel. That's the very thing that we just read about back in Isaiah chapter 60. He waited for the consolation. He expectantly waited for it. Maybe you say, yeah, but wasn't everybody waiting for that? Well, here's the thing. At this time in Israel, a great number of people had given up hope. I don't know if there's any of you who are here in that place tonight too. You'd say, you know what? 
I've kind of just given up hope. They stopped hoping. They had lost hope. They had given up because they had gotten all these promises of all the great things that God was going to do, all these messages of hope, but then it seemed like nothing happened for a very long time. And at this point, many in Israel had stopped hoping. They had given up hope. Like my daughter I mentioned earlier, they felt like Christmas was never going to come. Maybe some of you feel that way. You wonder, when is Christmas going to come for me? Maybe you've lost hope. Maybe you've given up on hope. I want to encourage you tonight not to give up hope because essentially the message of Christmas, the reason we have it every year, the reminder it gives us is that God's promises to us have not expired. They haven't gone away. He hasn't forgotten them. So don't give up hope. Don't give up hope. Simeon was a man who held on to hope. Number two, Simeon was a man who held hope in his hands. Simeon had gotten this promise, says by the Holy Spirit, that he would not die until he saw the Lord's Christ. That person we talked about who was the hope of the nations, the light of the world. And we get the impression that this man, Simeon, at this point, he was pretty old. I mean, he's really pushing it here, right? This is, he's got like a bucket list, and there's only one thing left to do on his bucket list, and that is see the Messiah, and then he can finally go get some rest in peace, right? He's like, I've been on the vacation to Florida. I've played golf enough. I just want to see that Messiah and get some rest in peace, right? So here he is. He's in the temple one day there in Jerusalem, and he sees this young couple walk in, holding this baby in their arms. And I don't know how it happened, but Simeon realized that this was the moment that he'd been waiting for, for years, probably even decades. And he walks over to this young couple and he asks them, hey, can I hold your baby? Now think about this, some of you parents here. Uh, if some strange old man walks up to you in a public place with a wild look in his eyes, right, and says, Hey, give me your baby. What are you going to do, right? Well, Mary and Joseph uh, handed him over. But Simeon, this man who held on to hope, he now got to hold hope in his hands because hope is a person. Hope has a name, and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen? The light which is coming into the world to drive out the darkness, he has a name. His name is Jesus. And this is how John the Apostle explained the meaning, the significance of his coming into the world. John said this. This was our other reading. In the beginning was the Word. That's Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made through him, and in him was life. And that life was the light of men, and that light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light, which gives light to everyone. Remember our passage earlier? He was coming into the world. Later on in his life, after Jesus grew up, as he began teaching about the kingdom of God, Jesus would declare, I am the light of the world. He would declare, whoever follows me will no longer walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That is the significance of Jesus' coming. That's the significance of Christmas. Hope is a person. His name is Jesus Christ. And Simeon got to hold hope in his hands. And thirdly, 
Simeon was a man who died in hope. Simeon was a man who died in hope. As Simeon held the baby Jesus in his hands, we read that he prayed and he said, Lord, now I can die in peace because I have seen your salvation with my own eyes. I have seen the one who is the hope of the world, the promise, the light for revelation to the Gentiles, the glory of your people. And then he turns to Mary and Joseph and he says this very interesting phrase. I love this phrase. He says, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rise of many. Now, what does that mean? Here's what it means. That Jesus is and will be the basis upon which people's eternal destiny hinges. Right? He will be the basis upon which people go to heaven or go to hell. The Bible says that he who has the Son has life, but he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Do you remember the promise that we read earlier from Isaiah 59? A redeemer is coming from Zion, but to who? To those who turn from transgression. The hope of the gospel is that if you will confess your sins, if you will put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and as Lord of your life, then he will redeem you. And that is the hope of heaven. He will give you that hope to be your own. The hope of heaven, that vision that God gave his people of the better day that was to come. You know, there's an old tale that is told of a man who was born in prison. He was born in prison and he grew up in prison. And that prison was full of other people who had also been born and raised within that prison. And they had never seen anything else in their whole life other than the inner walls of that dungeon. There were no windows. There was no opportunity to go outside. In fact, they were told that this is it. This is all that exists. Everything that you see within the walls of this dungeon. And one of the great debates that the prisoners used to have in that prison was whether or not there was actually an outside world beyond the walls of that prison because, again, they couldn't see outside. It was this dank, dark place, and so they would sit around with all their free time. And there was this one young man who used to say, I wonder, I do, I wonder, maybe there is more than this. I can't help but think there must be more than this. Maybe there is a world outside these walls. The jailers always told him, no, this is all there is. The warden told everyone, this is all there is. And they would have these debates and and almost everybody in the jail would tell them, the other inmates would say, this is all there is. There isn't anything else beyond this. But one day someone came into that dungeon, into their dungeon, from another part of the prison, and he said, listen up. I'm I'm not actually from a different part of the prison. That's just what they told you. I came from the outside. And I know that there's another world out there. I've been there. That's where I'm from. And this man from the outside, he, he began scratching on the walls of their dungeon. And he began scratching pictures of what the outside world looks like. And he described to that young man what the world was like beyond the prison. And he etched on the wall a picture of a tree. And he drew out the sun, and he began to talk to him about colors. Oh, not the colors that they knew in the prison, because in there it was so dark, so dreary. The only colors they knew were, were brown and black and gray, but he told him about white and about blue and about yellow and about green and about pink and about purple. And eventually this prisoner left, and the young man sat around wondering, I wonder if what he said was true. 
I wonder if it was right. I wonder if it was real. The other thing that this man had told him was that there is a prince out there. There's a prince of that outside world beyond the prison. And that prince has said that one day he's going to break into this prison and he's going to take the prisoners and he's going to set them all free. So one day this young man, as he's sitting in his cell, he hears some scratching on the wall on the other side of his wall, right? Some digging on the outside and suddenly in bursts this stream of light into his cell because there was a hole. Somebody had dug a hole. Somebody had punched a hole through the wall. They had dug a hole through the dungeon wall the size of a hand and this stream of light was coming in. And the young man, he looked through the hole and there he could see that world that he had heard of from the man from the outside. And the young man saw a tree and it wasn't quite what he had expected. He had expected it to look differently because all he had ever seen was an etching drawn on a prison wall. And he saw the sun and then he heard the voice of the prince and the prince says, now you've gotten a glimpse of me. You've gotten a glimpse of me. You've gotten a glimpse of this world. And I want you to know that I am preparing to come and take you out for good. But until then, live in the hope of what you've seen through the wall. Live in the hope of what you've seen through the wall. This young man, even though he was still in the dungeon, his life was changed by that encounter. He began to live differently because now his whole life was lived in light of the outside world. Now that he'd gotten a view, a glimpse, a, a glimmer of it, he, he lived in the hope. Even on the inside, while he was still on the inside, he lived in a completely different way because now he had hope. He knew what was coming. And that is exactly what it means to be a Christian. People are, are around and telling you, this is all there is. This life, there's nothing else. You, you're born, you live, you die, the end. But you say, no, it can't be. Everything within me tells me that there must be more than this. I was made for more than this. Everything within me tells me I was built for something greater. I was built for great deeds. I was built for light and life and beauty. I was built for love and laughter and nobility. And one day Jesus Christ comes into your life and he says, you're right. And look, I have opened up a hole in the pitiless walls of the world, a window into my kingdom, and one day I'm going to come back and I'm going to take you there. But until then, here's what I want you to do. Live in the hope of what you have seen through the wall. Imagine how much that would change your life. If every day you, like that man, would look through the hole in the wall and see, that what, see the light, you'd see what's on the other side, you would live with so much perspective. You would live with so much courage. You would live with so much hope. And, and friends, you can live that way. And that is exactly what Jesus is talking about when he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. What we have in Isaiah 59 and 60, it is a peak. It's a glimpse. It's a hole busted through the pitiless walls of this world, a view into what awaits us when our Redeemer comes because Jesus Christ has come to us. The first Christmas, he didn't remain a baby. He grew up, he revealed God to us because he himself was God come to us in human flesh and he died on a cross for your sins. 
He died on a cross to redeem all who would turn from their transgressions, just as God promised in Isaiah 59. And to all who do that, who turn from their transgressions and put their hope in him, this is what he says. Arise, shine, for your light has come. The prince has come to save you. The glory of the Lord has shone upon you. And like Simeon, you will be able to face everything that this life brings, even death, with incredible hope, knowing that God keeps his promises and that he will redeem all who put their hope in the promised Savior, in the light of the world, Jesus Christ. Tonight, that is our message for you. That's the message we want you to hear, the message we want you to receive. Arise, shine, for your light has come. We want you not only to hear that and receive it, we want you to go forth from this place and live it out. Arise, shine, your light has come. Right now, I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward, if you would. On the way in, you all were given a candle. And I'm going to light this center candle here. The center candle here, what it represents is the light of the world. Jesus Christ entered into the darkness of our world, bringing us light. And from this one candle, the Christ candle, now we are going to take this light and we're going to spread it and we're going to take it from here. To each of us, to every one of us who trusts in him, he lights within us the flame of his light as the light of the world. So that everywhere we go, we carry that light with us. And this is the message, arise, shine for your light has come. And that is what I want you to do as well this evening. I want you to receive the light of the world. Jesus Christ, arise and shine. But not only do we want you to arise and shine, the light of Jesus Christ that you've received, but we want you to carry it into the world and we want you to share it with others. That's the significance of passing it on. The light that we all have, it originates from one source, but yet each of us receives it via someone else and we share that light with others and as light spreads from one to the next it grows brighter it grows more brilliant because light has come into the darkness Jesus didn't only come to enlighten you he came to give you his light and he says to you go take this light share it spread it so that it can change lives so that it can transform people so it can bring hope and redemption to all who will receive it and that is my message for you tonight. You who once walked in darkness, it's time for you to arise and shine, for your light has come.